Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Can we give the kids another really big hand? Get a great job. I'm kind of with Pastor Ryan. I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to see him act up a little bit. So uh, if you want to see that, typically the second service is a little bit more that way because they're going to go get snacks, sugar, isn't that great? And then bring them back up here. So yeah, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for that. You know, this week, uh, Christy Jenkins sent Tammy a picture of one of the kids' Christmas productions where, um, you know, it was just, it was amazing. Some of the kids that have now grown up, uh, Josh and Christy's oldest is, is in college and there's a picture there and just the kids that, man, are now like grown, married. Uh, I think Thomas Barney, which is good to have you here today. It's serving in the military now. He was in that picture. And uh, yeah, so it's fun to see these kids on the stage. And then I have pictures and I remind them as they get to be teenagers and they try to be really cool that, yeah, you were up there and you were pretty awkward and you did X, Y, and Z. And so anyhow, uh, I love this. But uh, today, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2. Matter of fact, they, they stole my text at the beginning, and so uh, she actually read it, but I want to read it again. It's the, the true meaning of Christmas. It's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 8. And I just want to talk to you for a couple minutes. You know, this week, this Christmas week, will be a week that we're finishing up school, and we're finishing up, um, man, with uh, uh, any gifts and and preparation, and the in-laws and the outlaws are coming in, right? <laughs> yeah, yours too, amen? And so that's all happening. Everybody comes together, and tis the season, and all of that that's going on in this time. And it's easy to forget, and the busyness of schedule, and conflicts, and commercialization, and what Christmas is really all about. And uh, this is why I love the church, because there's nothing wrong with presents and there's nothing wrong with food. Amen? I think I have more chocolate that has been sent to the office and to my house as a gift. Matter of fact, there was this one huge box. I don't know how many pounds it was. And so it came in and it was like, you know, it was from some great place in Pennsylvania that just made, I don't know why people in Pennsylvania make great chocolate, but... Hershey's, hello, anyone? And so it was huge and heavy, like you could work out with it, you know what I'm saying, like you could lift. And um, so uh, I gave it to Anna, and I said, make sure this gets home. Make sure, because sometimes I'll put stuff out because there's just so much stuff for the staff and what, don't know to get this home. Well, my wife, Tammy, finds out about it, and Tammy goes, no, Anna, we do not need that at the house. That's the last thing you're dead. And I noticed that it's out for the staff. And I went over to Anna and I said, whoa, 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 what's going on? She goes, well, mom said, I said, don't listen to your mother. Look at me. That goes home. I know what's in that box. I know where that's from. The cheap stuff, put that out for the staff. But this stuff, that comes home. You know what I'm talking about? You do the same thing too. You do that with your kids. Like you give them the cheap, you know, right? This is also one of those times of the year where Kevin Miller, I tell Kevin, you know, he's, he's a missionary. Kevin Noel were on staff here with us for about seven years, and they're in Toulouse, France. I said, Kevin, if you want that missionary support to keep coming to you regularly, his mother makes divinity. She's from South Georgia, and if you don't know what divinity is, you can look it up online. It is heavenly. 
it will be in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I just said, as long as that box comes in December, you'll have no problems for the next 12 months. <laughs> if it doesn't, I can't make any promises that the Lord may move our hearts to move and direct those funds somewhere else. And yeah, good, right? Amen. So, wow, I love Christmas. I love Christmas eating and cookies. Sugar cookies, anybody? Ice sugar cookies? Oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. Somebody made some this week. I won't say their name. Heather Miller. Wow. It was amazing. And so I got one. Pam Gable. Is Pam here at all? Is she in this room? If you see Pam, just say, have you made pastor sugar cookies yet? Just, I, just do that. Last year was a little low. I told her about it this week. I said, I need that a little more. I have a plate. And I, I have a place where I put these, and my kids can't get to them. They're amazing. Yeah. That's not the true meaning of Christmas. That's what I'm here to talk about. Sorry. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse number 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field watching over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That's a great verse right there. I'll get back to that in a minute. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The angel's announcement to the shepherds remind us and kind of encapsulate what the entire true meaning of Christmas is all about. First of all, it's good news. I'm not going to be long today. This will be a very simple message, but it's good news. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. Good news. Luke chapter 2, verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. The Greek word that the New Testament for good news means glad tidings, or it's a news or information, an announcement. It's, that's what tidings means. It, it's, it was a, a word to use for news or information or announcement. Here's the, the glad tidings or the good news. Verse 11 says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The good news is that salvation comes through Jesus. I know that's really simple, but we forget sometimes. And, and it just, we, we go back to, this is the reason why we celebrate Christmas. The great theologian and writer, A.W. Tozer, said it this way. I love this. I came across this quote this week in my study. He said, if our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. That's the good news. The good news is, is that wherever you are and whoever you are, and from wherever you come and wherever you're going, you're not lost. There's good news that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. I, I love how John 3.16 says it, for God so loved the world. The word so means without strings, without attachment. There's no conditions. There's no fine print. There's no legalese. You don't have to take out your glasses and, and read through the fine print. No, it's just because God loved you, period. Nothing that you did, nothing that you could ever do. Man, how great is that? Because I don't know about you, but I'm not always good. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of days, 
my attitude stinks. My, my disposition stinks, especially during this time of the year. Do you find yourself talking to cars and drivers around you that can't hear you? <laughs> yeah. But even in my sin, that's when God loved me so much that he sent me a savior. Has nothing to do with me. Has nothing to do with my church attendance. Has nothing to do with what I give in the offering. Has nothing to do with how good or how bad I am. Just because. Second thing that we see here in this true meaning of Christmas is great joy. Great joy, which is something that is, marks the Christmas season, but we don't always experience. Look at it back in verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The circumstances in which Jesus was born in the first century were very far from joyful. If you had been living in Jerusalem or in the Judean hillside or Galilee or anywhere in Israel during that time, you would have been living under the occupancy of the Roman government. You would have been heavily taxed. Inflation would have been through the roof. Poverty would have been common for most people, and everybody was just living paycheck to paycheck. Life was anything but easy. And in the middle of all of this, he says, the angel of the Lord says, great joy. It's such a contrast because often in joyless situations, it's often where God brings the greatest amount of joy. Where you least expect it, God then shows up. Where, where it's the most dismal, it's the most bleak, it's the most kind of just what's going on. Sam Storms, the theologian, says it this way, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering, but rather it's the presence of God. And I want you to notice that the joy is to you. Now this is a birth announcement. This is the announcement of Jesus. The, the son of Mary and Joseph. But, but it doesn't say, today a Savior has been born to Mary. Think about that. Uh, in any birth announcement, it would be so-and-so, this baby has been born to this couple. This baby has been born to this woman. Uh, uh, the, the doctor, you know, when, when the baby comes, this is your baby boy. Here, I, I give you your healthy and, 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 and all fingers and all toes. And, and this, the, the, the baby is to the parent, but, but this is not what the angel of the Lord says. This child was not born for Mary. This child was not born for Joseph. This not, child was not born for the family. This child was not born just for their group. No, no, no. This child was born for you. A Savior has been born to you. We read that and we don't think a whole lot about it, but that's a very strange birth announcement. Because again, at no other time and no other place, even in scripture, do we see a birth announcement that's been where the child is not given the birth announcement to the parent, to the mother, to the father. But here is the only place in scripture where it does this. What, what, he, what he's saying is, what the angel of the Lord is saying, what Luke is recording here in Luke's gospel, is that Jesus was born for you, and for you, and for you, and for me. He was born for us. It's God's way of letting us know he wants a personal relationship with us. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's always been about relationship. And God invades this planet in this fragile form of a baby. Why? 
It's really important to understand this because he had to become like us so he could relate to us. John 1.14 says, and the word, which is God, became flesh, Jesus, and he dwelt among us. That's the joy. The joy isn't, this isn't, oh, I'm so excited that so-and-so's having a baby, and I'm so excited that so-and-so's having a baby. I mean, so like into the, 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 our family, the, the Cole family, my, my oldest, Anna, who's married. And, and so in March, she's to give birth to a baby. It's a baby girl. I think it's a boy, but it, well, that's another conversation. She gets on to me. I'll get in trouble for that. And so this baby will be born to Anna and to Sean. This baby will be a blessing to them and to our family. This baby will knock her mother and her aunt out of the will. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but not here. The baby's not for the mother. The baby's not for the father. The baby's not for the family. The baby's for you and for me. That's why it's joyful. That's the joy of the season. And the third thing I want to point out here before I close is it's to all people. All people. All people. Not just some people. Not just Jewish people. Not just people in the house and lineage of David through Joseph. But all people. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, the angel's speaking here to shepherds. They're the first group to receive the news of Jesus' birth. Very interesting. Because the shepherds were not at the top of the food chain. The shepherds didn't have like the shepherd's union and they represented a large group of people and so there were a contingency in which Jesus needed to, to make his introduction to them first or to keep a constituency of people happy. No, they were considered a very low class Many of them illiterate. Many of them very common, overlooked. Dr. David Dykes says it this way about shepherds. The fact that God chose shepherds to hear the first gospel message is not an accident. Shepherds were the lowest people in the social economic order of the day. They were a despised class with a bad reputation because shepherds were known as thieves because they were nomadic. As they moved their sheep around the country, sometimes they got confused about what was, quote-unquote, mine and what was thine. They were not allowed to give a testimony in the Jewish court of law, according to the Bible. Their work made it impossible for them to observe Jewish ceremonial laws and temple rituals, such as Sabbath. They were considered religiously unclean and unacceptable by the religious elite of the day. It's pretty amazing to think this heavenly invasion came to such a group of social outcasts. If you were to go with me today to Bethlehem, which is interesting because what's happening with the war is that is Palestinian, that is uh, Arab territory. When you actually leave Jerusalem and you take the drive and you, you have a tour guide, they'll actually, your tour guide can stay on the bus that's a Jewish tour guide, but you have to have an Arab tour guide that comes and does the rest of the tour in Bethlehem because that's Arab territory. 
You go through full checks, full everything. You're leaving one state, going into another state. And right now, because everything is going on, there will be no Christmas. There will be no celebration. There will be nothing happening in Bethlehem, which is the birthplace of Christ. There's a church that's there, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is above where they said the cave where Jesus was born. We don't know exactly, but it would be something of that nature. And they'll be holding services, but there are multiple different orthodoxies and religious philosophies and ideologies that, that converge and have church there. It's a very interesting and somewhat strange place if you really want to know my opinion. But if you step outside of that and you get outside of some of that and you look at the Judean hillside, you can see the, the hills of Moab where Boaz, which is the great-grandmother of David, will meet the kinsman redeemer. And they will, they, 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 will, they, they will then have a son named Jesse and then have a son named David, and he will be the king of Israel. And, and this whole area, you'll begin to see just kind of a, of a how this would have taken place in that very cool, cold night. And this place, it's far, a little, it's a good, good little walk away from Jerusalem. You won't see it from there. You won't hear it from there. Jerusalem would have been the epicenter. That, that would have been the most logical place, if you really want to know, where Jesus would have been born if he was going to be born into kingship. The Temple Mount, if you, if you see a picture of Jerusalem, you see the, the Golden Dome in the middle, which, is, which again, just below it's the Wailing Wall, and the entire city of Jerusalem is around it. And that is the place where Solomon built the temple. It's actually Arab territory right there because of the, the Palestinian-Israeli agreement. And, and so, but that's where Jesus will come back when he comes back. It would make sense that he would be right there in the epicenter of Jerusalem, but he's not. It's a drive down the road. It's like... Going from Germantown, they'd be like, hey, we're going to go on our way to Fond du Lac. We're just somewhere between here and Kiwaskum, and we're just going to kind of find us this place. And it's in these rolling hills of this Judean hillside that these shepherds are just doing their business. That's where and when God decides to show up and to declare the birth of his son. Kind of a strange way to save the world. But you know what it says? for all people. It means I don't have to be in the epicenter of Jerusalem. I don't have to be in high society. I don't have to be connected. I don't have to be educated. I don't have to be esteemed. I don't have to be righteous. Regardless of the class or the condition or the origin, there's this reoccurring theme throughout the Gospels, all people. It's what Jesus does when he goes and he finds the 12. It's fishermen and tax collectors. It's religious zealots and people that are on the outskirts of society. It's, 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 it's people that were completely lost, like Matthew, who will write the New Testament, the book of Matthew, the very first book. This tax collector comes into relationship with Jesus, and then Jesus says, won't you come and follow me? It's, it's, it's people who were poor and who were blind. It was the widows. It was a demon-possessed. It was a wealthy wise man that would look for him. It's wealthy individuals like Nicodemus that would have been in the inner court that actually would have been a part of the proceedings of Jesus before he's death, burial, and resurrection. But it will be Nicodemus that will bring Jesus to his tomb only to borrow it for three days. All people, up and over, down and out, it doesn't matter. That's the great news. That's the meaning of Christmas. Paul says it this way to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, for this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save 
sinners. He didn't come into the world to save preachers, saints, religious elite. Been in the church all my life. I was born in the church, and my parents and my grand. No, 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 sinners. The people that don't talk right, the people that don't look right, the people that don't smell right, the people that aren't really invited into the social circles, the, 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 the people. He, he came into this world. And Paul will go on to say, of which I am a chief of sinners. That's the true meaning of Christmas. For unto you, you, is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem. A savior. That's what we need. We don't need another politician. We don't need another billionaire. We don't need a, 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 another unifier in the world. We don't need another, another, another parliamentarian. We don't need another preacher. We don't need another orator. We don't need another entertainer. We, don't, we need a savior. Because we're desperately trying to save ourselves, aren't we? Trying to soothe the aching of our soul. Trying to find peace that passes understanding. Looking for joy wherever we can and, and, and going here and there trying to find when the truth of the matter is. Revelation 3.19, one of my favorite verses of the Bible. It says that Jesus stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. And if we'll open the door and we'll invite him in, he will come in. That's the true meaning of Christmas. Maybe today you need a savior. Maybe you're far away from God. I'm not gonna do the Billy Graham thing and have somebody come out and sing just as I am and have you stand and walk to the front. But in just a minute, I'm gonna pray. And what's gonna happen is I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. I really wouldn't plan on doing that. To be honest with you, it says right here that the response is going to be a carol. We're going to sing joy to the world, and then Pastor Ryan's going to come and dismiss us. But as I was going this morning, just kind of going over my notes, as kind of as my custom is, I'm just reminded that there's probably someone here in the room that, man, you're far away from Jesus. I don't want to embarrass you. Jesus didn't come to embarrass you. It's a personal relationship with him. Whether you're like Nicodemus and you come to Jesus in the night and you never come to him in the daylight. Or whether you're like Zacchaeus who climbs up to the tree just so you can see and get a glimpse of him. Or whether you're like Peter who will stand there and be willing to give your life. It doesn't matter how you come to him. You know your need, I don't. But what I do know is, is that what you need in your life, it's not another sermon or another church or another church service. You need a savior and his name is Jesus. In just a minute, I'm gonna pray and if you wanna say, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life, I give you my life. Be my savior today. That's all you have to do. But Aaron, I've been told, I don't care what you've been told. Let's just go back to the Bible. Doesn't matter what I think or what this theologian thinks. 
or this priest says, or this archbishop says, or this pastor says, no, Paul says to the church in Rome, Romans 10, 9 and 10, for if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, I am saved. That's it. Everything else is people trying to get you connected into what they're doing. No. Very simple. In every interaction with Jesus in the gospels, he just simply invites people to repent of their sins, which means to confess their sin, to own it, and to go and sin no more. Believing that he's the salvation. That's it. So I wanna pray for you. And I hope for those of us in this room that are Christ followers, that we remember this is what it's all about. We remember that that guy or that gal that's driving that car really bad in front of us in traffic, that takes a parking spot as we're trying to get to the mall for the last minute gift, to the person that's just hurried and rushed. Maybe, just maybe, they're trying to fill their heart and their life with so many other things. And we, just remember, it's not about that. It's about a God who loved us so much that we've been sinners that are just saved by grace. And in turn, that's that true meaning of Christmas that we give that grace to other people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Dear Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. It doesn't need a theologian. It, it, it doesn't need some deep pontification of, of exegesis in order for us to understand. No, it's real simple. Jesus, you left your place to come to my place so that you could take my place and pay for my sins that I couldn't. And if I just simply accept that, I will forever be with you in your place. It's that simple. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not even gonna ask you to raise your hand, but if you're here, and you say, man, Aaron, that's me. I just write, just in the solemnness and the quietness of this moment, just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior today. It's that simple. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And be my Lord and be my Savior today. Father, I pray today for people that made a decision to follow you. I thank you for the joy that we have. I pray the peace of God that passes understanding would be theirs the joy of the Lord would be their strength. And I just thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.